Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of Ulcerative Colitis and My Jeep Pouch Journey podcast. I am your host, Suzanne LaFleur, and today we will be chatting with Amy from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Amy has not only had one J-pouch in her life, she has actually had a second surgery and a new J-pouch formed. And here she is today to tell us her story. For those of you who have been following from the beginning, thank you. For those of you who are joining us for the first time today, please help us to continue the conversation by hitting that subscribe button and sharing us on your social media. Let's continue the conversation surrounding gastrointestinal diseases and to support one another through the, our seldom talked about journeys. <laughs> Hi, Amy. Thank you for joining me today in our virtual studio. First of all, I would like to ask you, what out of the two surgeries would you say stands out for you the most when you compare one surgery to the other? I feel as the same person, I've had two completely different experiences. So that's what's interesting. Like even within the same body, having two J pouches, I've had a different experience. That's kind of what I would like people to know. Everybody's journey is different. Um, Start your journey for us right from the beginning when you, did you have ulcerative colitis? Did you have Crohn's disease? I got a diagnosis of ulcerative colitis in 1992. Um, and I know it's familial, but um, I think it's pretty uncommon to have three people within the same family to have this disease. So initially, um, my dad was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, then my sister was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, and then I came along a couple of years later. But since then, my sister and my dad have, have switched their, their diagnosis and changed to Crohn's. And they both have permanent ostomies at this point. So my pathology has always been UC, UC across the board. And then um, a pretty heavy drug regimen uh, for five years. Um, some heavy hitting things like, you know, high doses of steroids. And we know all, <laughs> anybody who's been on that stuff knows what it can do to you. You know, lack of concentration, weight gain. I know I would eat breakfast and be thinking about what I could have for a snack. And I'd be eating my snack and think about what I could have for lunch. <laughs> and um, I had kind of two sets of clothes. I re remember that. I would call them my skinny clothes and fat clothes, probably not politically correct. But um, when I would be in a flare, I would just be like, you know, like emaciated and wear the skinny clothes. And when I was on prednisone, I would blow up like a balloon and, you know, had my all-time high weight of like 140 pounds for me that that's did you find that the prednisone affected you mentally in any way yes so I could not concentrate I'm a librarian by profession and I love to read I I could not read books I was lucky if I could read a magazine article I really turned to like uh, word searches that was about where my mind, you know, circling, trying to find the word and circling the word. But it was, yeah, super challenging. And just um, like, I just remember wanting to like clean my light bulbs. Like I just like, what do I do? Like, I had like, the, like this energy and kind of wanting to go. And, and then physically really bad joint pains, trouble uh, walking at certain points. I mean, it was, it 
was pretty, pretty intense. Uh, you know, and in addition to that drug, I was on immunosuppressants. So that means, you know, you're the, the theory was back then your body is attacking the colon. So if we give you an organ rejection drug, that could help. But with that comes a constant monitoring of your white blood cells. So I was constantly, you know, every so many weeks going for blood draw, you know, monitoring that, making sure the white blood count was good. And then also uh, something called Asacol, 12 pills a day of Asacol. Yes. So it was a lot. And then after I had my second child, he was born in uh, September of 96. And then I had a really bad postpartum. So November of uh, 96, I, right after Thanksgiving, I ended up in the hospital for 10 days and I was on every, everything you can imagine, like very high doses, cellumidrol, uh, or, you know, uh, intravenous uh, prednisone, and I was not getting any better. And I had two, I had an infant and I had a toddler <laughs> And, you know, very depressed. I was like literally pumping and dumping my milk. And uh, my GI came in and said, uh, I, we're not seeing you get any better. You know, I think surgery is going to be the best option for you. And how old was your youngest at the time? <laughs> Two months. Two months. Oh, Two wow. Months. Mm-hmm. He was born in September. And then that November, he went exclusively f- breastfed to bottle and Luckily, he was my easygoing baby, because <laughs> if that was my first baby, I don't know. <laughs> he was a whole different ball of wax, but um, he was very good to make the transition. And I, he had to go to formula. Like there were, I mean, all those drugs that they were pumping into me. So the decision was made I, to have surgery. So being a librarian, it was like, okay, I'm going to research as much as I can. The internet wasn't what it was now. I met with my surgeon who was supposed to do the surgery. I talked with him whole list of probably 20 questions. We sat, he was great, sat down at least an hour or more, answered all my questions. I asked to contact young mothers at that time to, um, what, what is your life like with a J pouch? You have little kids. So I was able to talk to them and the quote that sticks out from one of those moms was, you don't realize how sick you are until you feel better. And that was so true. So I made the decision to have the surgery and um, no, no surgery is easy, but oh my gosh, you know, the, this is like, you know, a major cut through your abdominal wall. And of course I have babies that I can't pick up and, and then you, I, you end up with an ostomy for the, the first, um, portion of that. So you're, you know, they, for me, I was fortunate. It was two stages. They took that they did a subtotal colectomy. They created the J pouch, did an endileostomy. And then um, three months later, I was connect. I did the reconnect and, you know, it was a while back, but I, I, I know that there were issues in the beginning. I definitely (laughs) probably blocked out some of that stuff. I do remember after feeling after that surgery, like feeling better, like I could be a mom, like I could, you know, I had energy and, and things I see, I felt pretty normal in quotes. And, you know, I was able to do the things that I couldn't do before because I was just so sick. So I had, I feel like I had a pretty good run for a while with the, with that J pouch. Um, But then I started, you know, I had uh, fistula, 
And then I had, uh, so I had some surgeries for that. Um, but ultimately what did me in was, yes. Did you end up with a seat and stitch for your fistulas? I didn't. I didn't. I actually had a, a fistulotomy. I had surgery. Oh, okay. So, okay. yes. So, but ultimately what did me in was um, the stricture. And so I was going like annually for a dilation. Then it was like every six months dilation. And then it was down to like, like three months. And can you, can you explain what that means a little bit um, more clearly, a stricture but, and dilation? So a stricture is like the, the, where you evacuate is just narrowed. So you can't, you never feel like you can completely empty your pouch. You kind of have a, a full feeling. A lot of times there's like intense gas kind of pressure in there. It's, um, it's uncomfortable and it's not healthy to not be able to evacuate stool, right? You can't live it, like let it reside in there. I was always sedated. Some people are not, but um, I was always taken to an outpatient uh, clinic, uh, sedated, and then they would open up that opening. Basically, they kind of stick something in there and, and then that would, I'd be, be good, good for a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And, uh, and then I would be good for a little while. And then the same thing would start to happen. And it was just a repetitive process that just got to be, well, this is not a quality of life, right? We all want our quality of life. My surgeon, my local surgeon had said, I think you might be a good candidate for a pouch redo. And uh, where I live, it's, it's a big state but there are not a lot of people. And so they don't have the experience and they don't see like the volume of patients, like of somebody like me with real specifics. So she had recommended a surgeon outside of the state. And uh, so I, I, I made an appointment, went over there again, went through the whole thing, but we basically talked about redo J pouch, a K pouch, or a permanent ostomy. And then when I went into surgery, I signed off on three different procedures. So when I woke up, I wasn't really sure what happened. <laughs> I ultimately was able to get the J pouch redo. And that was 2018. 97, I had my original J pouch. And then 2018, I had my redo. And this one's been a struggle. <laughs> oh, really? So, yes. I have something, it's been coined floppy pouch syndrome. That is like where the pouch kind of leans. And I think because there's been so many abdominal surgeries, there's really not a lot of muscle tone to hold that pouch. So it kind of tips and it, it's problematic sometimes if emptying the, that pouch. So I go annually for a procedure in New York to um, help with that. I've had to do pelvic floor therapy to help like strengthen the J pouch. I'm currently not on any real heavy hitting drugs, but I do take Lamotil pretty regularly, which with my first J pouch, I didn't have to. And no, and I feel like I have to plan a lot more like my activities. Like if I'm going to, what am I going to eat? How, you know, like kind of like I try to time my eating or, you know, pop a bunch of Lamotil or 
make sure, okay, I better try to use the bathroom before I go to this event. Yeah. Do you find, do you find when you take the Lomotil that it's harder afterwards? I know for myself, if I'm not passing stool regularly, I actually feel worse if I slow things down, if that makes any sense. You know, I would say sometimes I get that feeling, but not all the time. But I live in a state where there's beautiful outdoors. You know, one of the things I like to do is hike. When you're on the trail, there's really not options for you to use the bath. I'll know, like, if I'm going to hike that day, it's like a banana with peanut butter and maybe some oatmeal and then a couple of modal. And then I know I'm good for several hours and I can be on that hike. But, you know, I don't know if it interacts with food. I'm not really sure, like, if it's different foods that... But I know, I know what you're talking about. Sometimes yeah. it is <laughs> uh, like I was going so much and now I can't go. Like it's like, right. you know, feast or famine. Right. Um, I find, I find for myself, if I'm going to be on a hike or away or out on a boat or whatever, I, I have to not eat. I'm one of those people that will just be like, okay, well, we have to be on the boat at 6 a.m., I will stop eating at dinner time and then just make sure that I'm in the bathroom enough times and I'll get up a couple of hours before we have to leave because then my GM poach can do its thing in the morning and then I don't eat again until I'm off that boat because the minute food hits my mouth, I'm uncomfortable. And it's not, it's not always that I can't hold it. I'm just so uncomfortable right. that it just makes the experience not very fun. So I choose to go hungry instead. Yeah, it's very interesting how different people manage it in a different way. And and you do, exactly. That's how you have to manage. That's like your normal, not eating. Yes. Like when you're going, you have an event, you want to attend, you want to enjoy it. So you know that day you're not going to eat. I, I have done that to uh, not eat. And then sometimes that's unpleasant too, because you're hungry. So there's trade-off there, right? Either. <laughs> but people that have all the parts don't know what that is like, right? We are planning our day. Okay. You know, our friends want us to go out on the boat and you're like, okay, well, let's see. And then you're, you're thinking like three, four five steps ahead. Whereas your friends or your partner, whoever, you know, they're, yeah, we're just going on the boat. Like it's no big deal, but all the the mental, uh, I don't say anguish, I don't know if that's the right word, but stress, I think that in itself can be very draining. Like, absolutely, uh, yeah, there's times that I'm like, maybe it's not even so much physical, but it's that thinking all the time. Okay, I really want to do this. So how can I make this work? And then nobody knows that you're just doing it automatically. And I don't think anybody else, unless they're in that situation, is going to understand that. Like, I know people like, oh, let's go out to lunch, you know, or let's, it's always revolving around food, right? Yeah. Like everything seems to revolve around food. So I'm always like, maybe we could take a walk or do you want to come over and play some games? And I try to look for activities that are not necessarily food centric, it's easier said than done, you know, because people are like, eh, for having game night, we'll bring over some snacks. So it's like, <laughs> you can't win. But 
uh, you know, the, with that, I've, I've done that. Let's just do this. Let's not go out for lunch. Let's see if, let's do something active. Like I'll kind of like twist it. I'll say, let's do something active. We need to get moving. So let's, you know, take a walk in the park or, you know, something like that to not have that focus on food. Because I guess in addition to my ulcerative colitis, I also was diagnosed in 2016 with celiac disease. And so I've read a little bit about it. I think it, it can go hand in hand. It's just another autoimmune disease. But then that also further limits my diet choices, right? And of course, gluten-free is a small fortune. Um, it's a market and... Um, things cost a lot of money. So, so yeah. there's that piece to it too. I, I am also gluten-free. However, I learned a couple of years ago, I was having really bad cystic acne breakouts and it was only since I've had my J pouch. So there must be something my body is not breaking down like it used to. And the minute I stopped eating gluten, it went away. So I tried everything, every like facial, anything. And I tried it and pulled this out of my diet and that, oh, maybe it's dairy, maybe it's whatever. And it turns out that it was gluten. I quit gluten for two weeks, my face cleared up. And now I know if I, you know, mow down a couple of pieces of pizza, not only is my J poach going to hate me, but so is my face. So I've, I've cut out gluten as well, but it's more for vanity. Tell me what it feels like when the, when your surgeon or your gastroenterologist looks at you and says, I think that you need to have a J poach redo. Because in my mind, it's clearly, and correct me if I'm wrong, the part of your small intestine that was used to create the J-pouch can no longer be used, correct? Correct. So then they are taking more of your small intestine to create the new pouch. Correct. And therefore your GI tract is even shorter than it was. You know, I really went back and forth with just doing, I was thinking about a permanent ostomy that was, you know, that was on the table and that would have been a different surgery, but I'm the type of person, if I don't exhaust all the avenues, I would question, well, maybe that J pouch would have worked out. And I went to, you know, like, and I went to an ostomy. So for me, uh, yes. So I did, I, I asked the surgeon, I said, like, am I going to have enough intestine? Like, this is like a, a question, like concerned about that. He kind of reassured me. The goal really is to try to salvage the old pouch. But when he got in there, it was a very long surgery. Actually, the pouch was adhered to the vaginal wall and it was not salvageable. So when I did wake up from that surgery and I saw him, he said, oh, he goes, you got a lot of intestine. I could do a third J pouch if I wanted to. And I was like, no, we're not saying <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not doing that. So. Yeah, we're not saying that out loud. <laughs> no, I, if this for some reason failed the second one, it would be permanent ostomy all the way, all the way. But yeah, it's not, it's not a fun, it's not a fun surgery to do twice. <laughs> no. And I was going to say, so your second surgery, you're more aware of what the surgeries are about. You're more aware of what the pre-op and what the post-surgical recovery is like. So did that help you through the second surgery or did, was that actually, did it make it scarier? <laughs> I think some things helped, you know, to kind of know what was coming. Um, I, I do think back to 
oh, you're a great candidate for surgery uh, other than your age. You know, your age is your only <laughs> deterrent. I'm like, great. So, but I don't really have, you know, I'm not diabetic. I don't have high blood pressure, you know, like, so all those things that they're looking at for surgery. Um, I think the thing that I dreaded the most knowing about was the um, Jackson Pratt drainage tube uh, where they, it seems like an eternity when they're pulling that thing out. It's like the tube is uber long and, I knew that was coming and I knew what that was like. That's something you just don't forget. I mean, I had two babies without any sort of drugs, but I'll, I'll, I kind of dulled that a little bit, but that Jackson Pratt drainage tube pull out. No. <laughs> so, so that was not, that was one I was like, no, they're coming in to take that out. Like I was just like bracing myself for that. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate the first time around I had a, a really, um, unfortunate experience with the ostomy nurse. Uh, she was very, I think the tough love type person. And she came in and, you know, I'm going to show you how to change your appliance. And then I just started crying. Like I had this, this thing is sticking out of the side of your body. And then you're trying to measure, you know, measure the wafer and put it up to the stoma. And it's a whole foreign thing. Like you don't know, anything about this and she's like why are you crying because <laughs> it's a lot you know so she was so terrible. if you made if you made it through that day um I didn't make it through my first visit with the ostomy nurse she came in and I couldn't stop crying and I couldn't focus and I couldn't just be like okay I can do this I was an absolute mess so if you made it through that's that's really good but then the second time around, I, I spoke with the, the team and they had two ostomy nurses, a nutritionist, like, I mean, they had an amazing team. And I said, first experience was really negative. And, and that worried me, you know, like what I, you know, like what, you know, like you were talking asking me about what I knew. And I was like, well, gosh, I better have a nice ostomy person because so they, I don't know if they went out of their way, but they were just nice people in general, but it was a completely different experience other than I had an end ileostomy the first time and the second time I had the loop and the loop was almost almost flush to my skin and I was I kept I could, it was not draining into the bag and so I would constantly like three times a day I was changing that wafer like anytime that thing would spout anything it would just be like this acid on my skin and then the adhesive would just the seal would break and then it would be basically falling off. So I had, I had um, rigged this thing. I'm like, I gotta go. I got, you gotta see this. So I rigged this whole thing up with a bunch of medical tape and went to see the ostomy nurse and we got a, I got a convex wafer, but you know, yeah, let me see. Let me take a look. Very responsive, very helpful. And so that was very different than the first time around. I also think that, you know, I had, they didn't really, call it that but the first time I think I had some kind of reaction to the adhesive um because I had kind of like a rash around that area and then I never really dealt with that because I knew it was so temporary you know I had the surgery in July and October I had the reversal so I never oh, wow. quite got a grip on that I kind of just dealt with it 
And then that was another thing I said, you know, I'm worried about the adhesives. And now they actually test you here. Like they try different products to see if you have a reaction and no, we'll test you, we'll test you. And I was like, oh, that's, so that's something new that they learned along the way. I can imagine imagine that there are so many things that are different because I had my surgeries in 2005 and 2006. And you were saying 1997 and 2018. Correct. For your, so yeah, the technology and what's available for ostomies and everything I feel has come a long way since I, even I've had my surgeries. That would be very interesting as well, having your surgeries so far apart and going through the experience twice. Yeah, I mean, technology is great, but I will I will give props to that that team because also then I had a nutritionist to help me along the way. Like we came up with kind of like a meal plan and these are things that you, yeah, you definitely should try these things, you know, introduce them slowly. And and that was fantastic because I really feel it was like trial and error. Kind of like when you go to the GI, well, if it bothers you, don't eat it. And if it doesn't bother you, then go ahead and eat it. And that's pretty much what the theory is, right? Like, hmm, that's real scientific, but okay. Because they don't know. And that's, and that's kind of like, I feel like in the, the first round, that's sort of what it was. Okay. Well, I'm never going to eat another mushroom in my life. Like I know, like I'm another mushroom in my life that now has proved to be false. You know, I just grind them to a pulp and I don't eat them very often, but I can enjoy, like, I would not eat a, like a portobello sandwich, but you know, if I want a little mushroom, like diced up or whatever, I'll, I can do that now. There are just certain foods you just know are on the no-no list (laughs) and everybody's is different. (laughs) They absolutely are. I think that your journey through two, two surgeries, and even though you've had a few struggles here and there with them, and I do feel that it's going to be a comfort to a few people out there who might be struggling with their J pouch and, and contemplating the same options. I'd be happy to talk to people if they're considering that surgery. Talk with your surgeon. Again, everybody's different. So if if your surgeon is saying you're a good candidate, I, I don't I really don't think they would put somebody through a second J pouch if they didn't feel that there would be some rate of success with any surgery, but this one is it's big. It's big. And I don't I you know and anybody who's gone through it would know. So they're like, do I really want to sign up for that again? I, you know, it would be a permanent ostomy for me that that would be, I would still be alive. I would still be able to live a a full life and do everything. Um, So at least it's not like a terminal sentence. So I, I do feel that when, when we're first approached by our physicians and surgeons about the fact that our colon is no longer feasibly doing its job. So your options are an ostomy or a J pouch. And you're the word ostomy and you're, I was 33 when I had my first surgery and that was terrifying to me. And um, then you kind of go through life with your disease and with your J pouch and you still see the planning and the, how it affects your life. And the word ostomy doesn't sound so scary anymore. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember after my last surgery and my J pouch was connected and everything was supposed to be great. I I went probably two months just saying to my family, I, it's almost like I want my ostomy back because I found that takedown surgery to be very, very difficult. It is very, very difficult. Yes. 
Yes, it is. Yeah. You know? And managing an ostomy was also difficult. However, I found that takedown surgery to just be brutal, brutal. So, so it, it's nice to hear from other people who have been through it all. And with you two, two J pouches and, you know, you know, in the back of your mind, if that J pouch ever was no longer feasible, that you would have an ostomy. And like you said, it's, it's not a terminal sentence. You are, you, you now can visualize what managing life with an ostomy is and it's not the be all and end all for you if you've ever had one that that's like the worst yeah like you I was 30 when I had my first surgery and I mean let's face it society places value on youth and looks and also things weren't talked about the way they are now like you didn't talk about ulcerative colitis you don't talk about how many times you were in the bathroom not to anybody who outside of maybe your immediate family or something like that but now everything's on the table so there are you see models with ostomies now and all kinds of you know tiktok things and you know like it's not the 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 stigma is probably still somewhat there but it's less and i think the more visible it becomes it then it's just it's part of the norm it's it's an acceptable thing in in society but i would say when i had my original surgery i no like you know you would be i was wearing clothes to like conceal it you know i didn't want people to i thought everybody knew oh everyone can tell i have an ostomy you know and um yeah you're very self-conscious nobody can tell yeah, there's the clothing lines now. There's lingerie. I mean, there's all there's all kinds of stuff now. Where there absolutely I, you know, is, yeah. yeah. And it, and it's nice to see. It's very nice to see because I did feel, I did did feel quite secluded and and felt like I really had not a lot of people to talk to about it. Yeah, it's it's great to see how much new technology there is out there and people are much more open about everything. And I honestly, I didn't even know about any type of J pouch group until about six months ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been struggling with employment and my employers and that sort of scenario. And I finally was like, am I the only person out here with a J pouch that it feels the way I do? Am I the only person that's struggling maintaining full-time employment am I the only person that goes through I was a community nurse so I would head out to nurse for the day and being a community nurse you're in and out of people's homes all day and I wasn't comfortable as you know with the J pouch it's not super quiet when you go to the washroom so I wasn't comfortable even asking my clients if I could use their washroom if I needed to so I ended up not eating until I would not eat food until I saw my last client that day. And sometimes it was noon, sometimes it was 2 p.m. But you you can't manage life without giving your body energy. And I finally reached out to uh, the J Pouch Facebook group, and it's done wonders for me. It's why I've decided to start this podcast is because we need to talk about these things. People need to be aware of what people go, go through. You tell somebody you have all sort of colitis or Crohn's disease and they're like, oh, that's horrible. But when you say I have a J pouch, I've had physicians ask me if they can see my J pouch. Can I just take a quick peek at it? And I'm like, 
with your x-ray vision? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, maybe go Google it because you can't see it. So, you know, it just gets very frustrating. So bringing some information to the table and putting it out there, I think is going to be super important for a lot of us. What What is it now with the J-Pouch? Because I know uh, many people with J-Pouches now and everybody seems to struggle with different things. Like for me, it's fatigue. My, I'm always anemic. I have to get iron infusions. I have achy joints. Dehydration is a huge thing for me. I used to get saline infusions every couple of weeks just to be able to keep up on my fluids. And it made such a difference when you're dehydrated, you have brain fog and low energy and such. So what would you say is your day-to-day struggle with your J-Pouch? I would say... Sometimes there's still the full evacuation piece. I have graduated from my pelvic floor therapy and I have, I call them tools in my toolbox. Um, So there are different exercises that I do, um, some different yoga poses. Um, So there's, there's sometimes just that like, like the gas is trapped in there and it's so painful. So that is one thing. And it's very uncomfortable if you're, at work or out or, you know, what, I mean, it's just like, like we were talking about earlier, not enjoying whatever experience it is because you're just so uncomfortable that, that I would say fatigue definitely is just, and then yes, I would say the joints as well are, um, I just try to keep moving and (laughs) hope that I can, you know, I don't know, as I age, I, that is, something that I worry about. I know people who are probably maybe five to 10 years older than me and they're, you know, they're living on ibuprofen. They have bone on bone kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's not an option for me. I cannot take ibuprofen. So what will I do when I, when the, like when the pain gets to that point that you can't manage it and you, and there's not an oral drug that you, that you can take. So for me, I have salves, creams, you know, I kind of rub right on the joint. Um, so I'm not ingesting a pill. Um, and that's what I'm doing for now. And that seems to be helpful, but I don't know as I age, how joints in general for regular people, for lack of a better term, they, you know, they have problems, right? There's that arthritis. And so I'm thinking, what is it going to be like when I'm 65, 70? I don't, I don't know. And how, how is it for you at night? Do you manage to sleep through the night or? I, I would say it depends on what I eat, depends on what time I eat. Uh, Some nights I'm like, I'll get five hours straight and I'm like, yeah, like, whoa, like I'm so thrilled for that. It really depends. I guess I was trying and I probably should go back to it. I was trying to not eat after a certain hour, but you know, when you've got like a, your husband or your partner's work schedule is different. And so they come home and it's like, Hey, let's have dinner. And you're like, uh, you know, dinner at three, not three AM, 3 PM would be perfect for me <laughs> you know, like, when they're coming home at seven and they want to, you know, so you're trying to find that find that balance. So I did do that for a little bit. I think that was helpful, like to stop eating no later than like 7 PM. And that was kind of helpful. But then if I have a slice of pizza at five, all bets are off. 
So what would you say to somebody out there who has had colitis, ulcerative colitis for years and they're facing the surgery, whether it be a J pouch or ileostomy, what is your best words of encouragement? Uh, so yeah, the J pouch surgery will be a lot, but in the end, it will probably pay off. I have a lot of patience. And my the surgeon who did my first J pouch, and I, this was the, the best advice. He's like, it's not like every day you're going to get better. He said, you'll have two good days. And then that third day will be awful. And then you might have an okay day and then another awful day. It's not like linear like that. You, you, you think, oh gosh, I'm in the, I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm in the home stretch and then whammo. So anybody who's thinking about this surgery know what, you know, when you're going into that for me, and I I'm sure for most people, it wasn't like that progression. It was like, oh, wow, I feel really great today. And then the next day it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so terrible. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a patience. It's, it's, um, you know, know that you're going to, you know, have some ups and downs with that ostomy because it's anything new. I mean, anything you do that's new has a learning curve. I would recommend having support if you can find support, maybe if you can't get it within your own inner circle of family and friends, try to find a support group of people who do understand. Uh, I would recommend that highly. Those would be my words, I guess. Patience, try to find support, research your surgeons if you can, if you have options to do that. I think some have done a lot more of these surgeries than others. And so they're more skilled and, and adept at doing them. Others are kind of like dabbling in it. Like, Ooh, my, like you don't want to be their first J pouch patient. I would not want to be that. So, and I asked, that was one of my questions. How many of these have you done? What's your success rate? How are your patients doing now? Like, I mean, I went in with all armed with all that when I, when I interviewed, I interviewed my surgeon, my surgeon, and you can go in there and talk with your surgeon. You don't have to go with them. That's your choice. If, if that's how your, the healthcare system is, you know, I don't know exactly how it is everywhere, but I know for me, it was like, I don't know, do I want this person or do I not want this person? I appreciate that. And I think that hearing about your journey will help people not only because your first surgery was in the 1990s and now we're sitting in, you know, 2020s. We always think, well, how long is my J-Pouch going to last? What are my options? People are, are concerned about that. Like, how long is this thing going to be in my body and healthy for? I know, I know it was a question for me when I had my J-Pouch surgeries, just exactly how long can I have this thing and be healthy with it? And you're right. There, there are a lot of things that come along with having a J pouch and, and an ileostomy, but being, um, giving yourself some grace and being kind to yourself and realizing that uh, although it is in my experience, it's much easier to have a J pouch than it was to have ulcerative colitis. However, there are still those struggles that we have every day simply because of the fact Absolutely. that we have a J pouch and, it definitely has helped me to reach out to other J poachers. It's helped me a lot. So I appreciate you coming on and telling about your journey today. I feel like sometimes just 
just open conversation about the things that we've been through is somewhat therapeutic. Yeah, it's a it's a body part, right? Like that's taken from you. It's a loss. A therapist said that's a loss and you need to mourn that loss because it is something that was a part of you. And I hadn't thought about that. And like that, that was quite a few years back, but I hadn't thought about it like that. 